0: Good morning, family. Our celebrity Ntando is in the house today. Let's give him a round of applause. If you don't know, Ntando is normally at the hub of every nation. That's the evening service. Uh, He is now the leader of the prophetic team in this church. And after the service, he'll be prophesying over a few people. He didn't know he was signing up for that. Now you. Great. Always awesome to be in the house of the Lord to worship together um, this morning, if you can adjust the sound a little bit, I feel so loud, even to myself. Um, th- this morning, about 1 a.m., some teenagers were buzzing on our gate, so I was up trying to chase them, so I'm still waking up. Please, pr- uh, please uh, stand with me as I preach this morning. Um, thank you, thank you, thank you, Saul. So next time, you help chase them with me. I think they missed a date around Halloween. It's not yet Halloween. We're studying a sermon series called Ephesians, Pictures of the Church in the Book of Ephesians. So we'll be talking about the church. And uh, the way I want to start today, I'm going to read a testimony for you from a couple that has experienced church and community in the most amazing way. But I also want to uh, mention to you that as we do the book of the Bible, we want you to come on a journey with us. So, we're gonna invite you to actually this week read chapter one of Ephesians. And uh, even though it's six chapters, we'll go over the four weeks. Let's keep reading uh, the chapter and read it uh, over and over again. Read it in different versions and take a pen and paper and write down what the Lord is saying to you. So, I didn't say type what the Lord is saying to you, write down what the Lord is saying to you. You'll ask the teachers, they'll tell you if you write with a pen and paper, the retention is better. You remember better. So I will, we, we may just ask you, Morosi, to show your notes next week Sunday. So there's something that happens when we get in the Word and we write down what God is saying to us. I also want to say whenever we gather together, there's something that happens in worship through offering declaration, through the preaching of the Word. I may not be able to explain it in words, but there's something that happens when the church of God gathers, there's something that happens. There is something that happens when the church of God, after the gathering, we scatter and we go out there to make Him known. Amen. So this uh, week, we're looking at church as a family. Next week, we're going to look at church as a temple. The week after, we're going to look at church as the bride of Christ. And then we're going to close with the church as an army. God is raising an army of lovers. Amen. Amen. So this is um, an amazing testimony. This last week, Lindy and I, were at breakfast with this couple. You'd remember them, uh, Duluma and Ochi. Nduluma plays bass in, uh, here, and Ochi was in the hospital for almost two months, and uh, at some point, it was touch and go. You, you, some of you will remember, we even called out for a fast and prayer for her. She's alive today because the Church of God prayed. Because the Church of God fasted and prayed, and we cried out to heaven. She will be in the 12 service and sharing the testimony herself. But I want to share this with you. This is what Nduluma wrote on his Facebook page. Just reflecting on that time. When people stand with you, when they hold your hand, speak gently through your pain, when they pray because they have been burdened to, when they think good thoughts towards you as you suffer because they cannot... And do not know how to pray. When they love on you with embarrassing abundance, When they hold your pain as if it's their own. And do their best despite their own limitations. Somehow you feel lifted. And as if heaven gets closer to you. And you could be closer to God himself. The kindness of others is their reassuring Smile of a loving God towards us. The kindness of others is a reassuring smile of God's kindness towards us through the kindness of other people. So this is what we experience in church. When Duluma was saying that, it's because he experienced what it means to be in the life of the church. So when you talk about being in connect group, being in the life of the church, is that when you are going through a rough page, there are people who can lift you up when you are going through those moments. So today we look at church as a family. And uh, I want to take you through a bit of a journey. Growing up, I'm grateful that my parents taught me a value for church as a spiritual family. I'm grateful that when I grew up, my family, my parents made sure that we understand that going to church is not just a religious act of ticking box that I went to church. Let me put it to you this way. I see that parents today, we teach our children value for education, but we don't teach them value for spiritual family. You know, and I look back, I I remember that, you know, when when, when we were raised, there were no negotiables. Everything was a non-negotiable. I don't know if you remember that. I mean, it was like you go to church, you don't go to church, you're in trouble. Big trouble if you don't go to church. I remember, I'll be... Showing up with my shorts and my t-shirts and my, my, my mom will say, are you going to church like that? And you go and change immediately, you know, before she says anything, otherwise she's going to take off her shoe. <laughs> when I raise my kids now, they are negotiables and non-negotiables. And we've come to a place where church is a non-negotiable. We go to church and we don't force them. We've taught them the value for church. My children, they understand the importance of church. Even when you go on holiday, they ask, is there a church around here? Are we going to church? It's a legacy that was handed over to me that I want to leave for my children. I remember when I went to boarding school, and uh, for me, there was exile. There was a way of my parents taking me out of politics. They take me to a boarding school. So, Greg, finally I had freedom. Freedom. But in the three months I lead, I still went to church. And I believe that was a lifeline for me because the Easter conference, I recommitted my life to Christ because I stayed in church community. So looking at the book of Ephesians, I'm just jumping to chapter 3 before we go to to chapter 1. So scripture says, God's intent was that now through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms. The manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms. When I read this portion of Scripture, and I understand when Apostle Paul wrote this, he was saying, guys, there's no plan B. The church of Jesus Christ is God's plan to make Himself known to people, to the earth. So the theologians who speaks about the book of Ephesians, they say that the book of Ephesians is like the heart in the body. The book of Ephesians, William Hendrickson, he says like, it is like the Rolls Royce of the Bible. If you enjoy cars, maybe you can make the connection. He also says that the book of Ephesians, it's a distilled essence of our Christian religion. It means that when you read the book of Ephesians, you get to some truths about why we believe in the one we believe in. He also says that the book of Ephesians is the crown and the climax of our Christian faith. So when Apostle Paul wrote the book of Ephesians, he was in a Roman prison and he was writing to a church at Ephesus. And the church at Ephesus was a church that was multicultural in nature. But what led to that is, Ephesus was known to be a religious, a cosmopolitan, and a commercial city because it was a port city. A port city which was easily accessible by land or by sea. So when I think about that, is this city was a little bit like Joburg. It was religious. It was full of idolatry. There was the temple of Diana, who was also known as Artemis. You'll hear a little bit more about that next week. And people worshipped Diana. And people even put their money to the church as a bank. They would save their money at the church. They will invest at the church. Don't worry, we're not about to do that here. But to me, when I think about Ephesus, it sounds a little bit like Joburg, where people worship money, where people sacrifice their families at the altar of temporal career success, where people... Place the gold rush, which is how the city started, above God. So we go now to Ephesians chapter 1. We're reading from verse 1. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, to the saints who are in Ephesus and are faithful in Christ Jesus, grace and peace from God our Father and to the Lord Jesus Christ. which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things to him, things in heaven and things on earth. In him we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will, so that we who were the first to the hope in Christ might be to the praise of his glory. In him you also... When you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in Him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of His glory. May the Lord bless the reading of His word. As you can see, just reading the first few verses of this chapter, there's so much in there. It is a loaded Book of the Bible. There's so much that God, through the authorship of Apostle Paul, he's trying to communicate to us. The first few phrases, right into Ephesus, it says, Grace to you and peace from God our Father. And the repetition, verse 3. Blessed be God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessings in the heavenly places. He chose us in Him before the foundations of the world. Now a phrase like that troubles me a bit because it says that even long before God created the earth, He knew exactly what was going to happen. The Bible says Jesus Christ was the Lamb that was slain before the foundations of the earth. So it means that God already had His plan to bring us into His family. You just read, speaks about God our Father. When Jesus taught his disciples how to pray, he didn't say, our God. He said, our Father. When you look at Scripture from Genesis to Revelation, you realize the theme there is God building his family. God our Father. And I want to bring your attention to verse 4 towards the end. It says, in love, predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ. So I want to bring your attention to this word, adoption, that all of us, we have been adopted and we are now called sons and daughters of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. We are now adopted and look what happens when you get adopted. Adoption gives us a new identity, access to family and a heavenly inheritance. Adoption gives us a name that we didn't have before as Christians, as children of God. It gives us access to what we did not have access to before. And it also gives us a heavenly inheritance. Adoption connects us to God and it connects us to others. So when you look at the picture of the cross, we're not only connected to God, but we're connected to each other. We are connected to each other. So when we speak about adoption, it leads us to connection. You know, in this church, I believe there is a spirit of adoption. I know most of you may know that David and Caroline Webb, uh, they have been running African Haven's uh, ministries, which includes Child and Baby Haven and a few other projects that we have. But in this, over the years, how many babies have been adopted? 224 babies have been adopted. They are in their forever families. Yeah, it's worth a celebration. And as we go along, you will see how that is so significant because those children, they will not have aunts, uncles, cousins if it wasn't for this ministry of helping them find their forever families. David was sharing with us recently about the recent adoption that's currently happening as we're speaking. A young lady, about 23 years of age, in the U.S., she prayed a prayer as a desire to the Lord and said, God, I, I want to, when I get married, I want to adopt. Now we have to bring it to, to South African terms because I think if this lady was Tswana, she would have said like abut to the guy. <laughs> so let me let me bring context. I've been out of the game for, me, for for a long time. I don't know how you approach a lady. You know, like this guy goes to approach the lady. I like you. I don't know what he said. So this guy goes to the lady and tells how much like and everything. Now this lady responds like this abuti. Hey? Eh? <laughs> like, hey <in> daughter. Then then the, 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 that's closest to saying, hey dude, me, I've prayed. And I want to adopt. And I want to know if you're in this with me before we get into this relationship. Wow, the audacity. I mean, I like that. I like the confidence. I like the confidence. Like, I have prayed, and if you want to be on this train with me, we're going to adopt. Sounds like Caroline Webb, eh, (laughs) David? I tell you, David will tell you how they met, you know. It's just like, we're going to have lots of babies. That too. (laughs) And spiritual babies and those who adopt. I like the story because this lady was very clear about something that God had done in her heart. She understood that she's been adopted into the family of God. And the same spirit that she carries, she wants to have others experience it. And all of us as children of God, we have been adopted. Now we can also carry the spirit of adoption in different forms. In different forms. Now, this uh, couple, they get married, and a year later, someone in the husband's family, a child in the husband's family, is needing family, is needing someone to look after them. And the lady said, well, that's an answer to prayer. We take in the child. They took in the child. A month later, they go to a secured adoption website, and they find this baby. This is not his real name, baby Catejo. And they applied to adopt this baby. And as I'm speaking to you, they are with this baby in Cape Town right now, and they're working through the process of adopting this child. Now, this child is going to have a forever family because one lady prayed a prayer. She prayed a prayer that the same adoption I've experienced, I want other people to experience it. I'm blown away by that story, and I believe that God is doing a work in our hearts to be part of the solution to the ills of our society in South Africa in ways that we can practically help other people. Now, the picture on the on my right, your left, that boy there, Emmanuel Camara, I met him when he was nine years old in Sierra Leone. It was one of the mission trips that we had done. We've done missions to Sierra Leone over the years. And the first mission trip that we did, it was after 11 years of civil war. And uh, Emmanuel walked up to me after preaching one, one of the services and says, my mom and dad died during the war. Will you be my father? Will you be my father? I must be honest, at the time I didn't know what it meant, but I said yes. We have been in his life over the years and been in touch with him, encouraging him, supporting him in whatever way we can support him. It just so happened that yesterday he got married. I got this photo from him this morning just before coming to church, and I said, let's celebrate together. You can be part of adopting and making a difference in someone's life. Even if you may not adopt them into your home, But you can. We all can. We all can. We all can. One way or the other, we all can. And then I want to pause the sermon at this point and celebrate the spirit of adoption in this house. If you are here and you have adopted or you're fostering a child or you're looking after your nephew, your niece, or your cousin, I'm not talking black text now. (laughs) It's not a topic for today. We'll address it another time. I'm saying, if you have chosen to help someone, maybe you're even mentoring someone, maybe you're helping someone to finish school, if you're here, you're doing something to help someone, I'm going to ask you to stand right now. I want us to celebrate the spirit of adoption in this house. Let's all stand. Thank you. Well done, guys. Well done. Thank you, May. Sit down. Now, I don't want you to feel like, well, I am helping someone with airtime. That's black text. (laughs) Uh, Just to be real with you, I get those as well. But I'm saying that when you read Isaiah 58, it says true fasting is when you open your doors to the poor. When you bring them into your home. You bring them into your home. I actually didn't realize that Sichaba is here. I've been in his life from when he was a year old. He just graduated, masters in economics. Well done, Sichaba. Working at the reserve bank and trusting God for God to continue to use him. There's ways we can be involved in people's lives and opening up our homes and bringing them into a home. So, I'm going to talk about, from the scripture that we've read, how does adoption look like? Understanding spiritual adoption, that we've been adopted in God's family, now we want to carry the same spirit of adoption, and have connection with God and with each other. Adoption is costly. Us people have gone through the whole process. It is costly. Financially, it is costly. But it is also costly to you, because it it inconveniences you one way or the other. Jesus Christ has adopted us. As we've read in Ephesians 1, verse 5, that God, through His Son, He's adopted us into His family. John three sixteen that we know very well, it says that, for God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son so that through Him, we may be sons of the living God. In Him, we have redemption through His blood. Adoption changes our legal status. Let me explain that to you. It's like, Receiving a presidential pardon. We were full of sin. We were those who have trespassed against God. But what did adoption do? It says, we are now holy and blameless before God. That's what adoption does. We can invoke the blood of Jesus and Him with redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses and sins. I like this phrase, I'm told that when you're going to adopt a child and the judge puts his seal that this child is adopted, this is what the judge will say, this adoption is final and forever. This child is now yours, as if born to you. How deep that is. This child will carry your family name from this day forward. That's deep. If we understand it in the natural and understand it in the spiritual we will live differently. We will live differently. We will understand that God wants us not to be slaves, but He wants us to live as sons and daughters of the Most High. Look at this. God pours out a spirit of sonship upon us. You did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons, by whom we cry, Abba, Father. We cry, abba father we've been adopted as sons and daughters of the king you know looking at my kids it helps me to understand adoption because my kids they never worry about what they're going to wear what they're going to eat what they're going to drink they just open the fridge and they expect food to be there if you're a parent you know what i'm talking about you know my kids they have this favorite question mom dad what's for dinner and I'm coaching them, guys, no, 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 not in this house. In this house, we say, how can I help <laughs> to make dinner? What can I help with to make dinner? You know, like, we're not fully there yet, but every day I remind them. Every household has got responsibilities. So how are you going to help you? Either you're going to wash the dishes, you're going to set the table, you're going to cut, they don't like this part, but you're going to cut those vegetables and you're going to eat those vegetables. Adoption says we've received the spirit of sonship. Adoption makes us heirs of the Father. In Him, we've obtained an inheritance. Let me talk about inheritance for a little bit. Most of the times when you talk about inheritance, we only think about monetary inheritance. But in God, we have so much more than the financial blessings we get from the Lord. Like I was saying, when we come into this place the gathered church and we worship the Lord and we hear the word, there's something that happens in our spirits that keeps us going. That I may not be able to explain in words, but through adoption as sons, there's an inheritance, there's a joy, there's a peace, there's a faith that happens when we gather together. You know, one of the powerful things about understanding adoption was this last one. Adoption means that we are now added into a new family that will last for eternity. Verse 14 of Ephesians 3, For this reason I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven, every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of His glory, He may grant you to be strengthened with power through His Spirit in the inner being. You get strengthened when you are in family. You get strengthened in the inner being when you come together. When we come together, we get strengthened because we are part of a new family. A lady was adopted when she was um, 15 years old. Her father had walked away from them when she was still very little, and the mother was an alcoholic. And uh, she grew up in a home, and she was... uh, taking care of this home, but when she was 15, she got adopted. Some people get adopted even at the later stage of their lives. What amazes me the most with what she writes, it was in Russia. She says, when she turned 15, she had her very first birthday cake. She was celebrated. She said that she now understands how it feels like to have cousins, to have uncles and aunts. If it wasn't for adoption, she would have never had that experience. There is a connection that happens through adoption that something happens on the inside. Though it might be difficult to explain, something happens on the inside. So as a church, the body of Christ, there is a connection that God is calling us to, not only to Him, but to each other. There are some benefits, there are some things that we get through connecting with one another. Dr. Henry Cloud, before I come back to what Bill Harbaugh says, Dr. Henry Cloud and a few other psychologists, they say the number one cause to addiction, mental illness, and depression is lack of connection. It is when we are not connected with each other that we end up falling prey to these things. I like what Dr. Henry Cloud speaks about, the map of connect- connectedness. He says there's these four quadrants. You may experience that at work, at home, even here at church. So let's just look in, 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 the pre- in the premises of the church. There are times when you find yourself in quadrant number one where there's no connection but there's people around you. It is called crowded loneliness. You have people around you but you are not connected. Let me explain it to you this way. As leaders, we know we can have people around us if we don't choose to be vulnerable and open up our lives. We can also have crowded loneliness. We can have people around us all the time, but we are not connected. And then there's bad connection. Maybe you are in an abusive relationship at work, at home. That that must change because it's going to affect you ultimately. And then there's fake connection, which is pseudo-good connection, where you feel like you're connected, but actually it's fake. It's not real. In the body of Christ, what you are going for is real connection. And the best way to get real connection, it's when you become vulnerable. It's when you open up. But you can't do that on a Sunday morning like this. That's why we have connect groups. That's why we serve in the church, where we can have close proximity with each other. With that in mind, I want to read this uh, Amazing quote by Bill Hybels about what the church is. I know that there are some allegations around Bill Hybels at the moment, but still what he said is powerful. I didn't want to sound that way, but I had to say something. (laughs) There is nothing like the local church when it is working right. So reflect on yourself now, your experience of the local church. Its beauty is indescribable. Its power is breathtaking. Its potential is unlimited. It comforts the grieving and heals the broken in the context of what? Community. Healing happens in community. It builds bridges to seekers and offers truth to the confused. It provides resources for those in need and opens its arms to the forgotten, the downtrodden, the disillusioned. It breaks the chains of addictions, frees the oppressed, and offers belonging to the marginalized of this world. Whatever the capacity for human suffering, the church has a greater capacity for healing and wholeness. Still, to this day, the potential of the local church is almost more than I can grasp. No other organization on earth is like the church. Nothing even comes close. Where else would I want to employ my leadership gifts that God has given graciously to me. The church is the hope of the world. I mean, what I like about this is it's your choice to experience this in the local church. Or you can stay in the periphery and then just come in and out on a Sunday and miss out on all this that God wants you to experience. So, when we talk about real connection, is you choosing to be in family, choosing to be in community and choosing to be connected. As I said, connection with God and connection with one another. Let me ask you a question. Have you ever felt how it's like when you switch your phone on and it's just saying, searching for network and it never gets the network? Have you ever felt the frustration of it's just searching and searching and then you switch it off and you switch it on again, and it's still searching and searching, all right? When it's not connecting to the network, what takes to happen is you can use it maybe to read, to, be, to do calendar, but you won't be able to use GPS. You won't be able to make calls. You won't be able to do your WhatsApp, Instagram, for those who are doing Instagram. You won't be able to do all these things. So what I'm submitting to you as a takeaway home today is, Some of us, we are like that cell phone that's not fully connected. And when we're not fully connected, we don't experience the full benefits of being into family. We don't fully experience how it's like to be in family. I've enjoyed being part of this family for over 20 years now because I've been enriched by being in this family. You know, when my wife and I had kids for the first time, some of you may not know this, when I grew up, we used to have speed dial. Carol and David, they were on our speed dial. What do we do with this child? She's crying. But that's family. You know, My our parents were far away, but I have family here. So choose to be in family. So let's stand to pray. I want to challenge two groups of people this morning. The one group is, you know, you've not experienced this adoption into God's family. You have not given your life to Christ as Lord and Savior of your life. You have not come to a place where you say, I want to be a son of God, even though the desire is there, but you've not committed your life to living for Him. And another group of people I want to challenge today. We're going to pray for you at As we close the service, it's going to be, you know that you are in the church, but you're not in the life of the church. You're not fully connected to the life of the church. We want to pray for you. Let's bow our heads and pray. Father, thank you for this time this morning that we can be challenged by the word to live in community, to be connected, Father God, and not to live disconnected, Father. God, we're missing out of the joy of being in family, when we are disconnected. We're missing out of the joy of vulnerability, of uh, sharing life heart-to-heart with one another. And I pray that you will convict us, Father God, to live in connection with others. Not just with you, but with others. Father, I pray for those who are here who may have not experienced sonship and what it means to be adopted into spiritual family pray that today, Lord God, they will have an encounter with you and they will choose you Father. With our heads bowed in this atmosphere of prayer, if you are here and you know that you've not given your life to Christ as Lord and Savior of your life, if you are here and you know that you are far away from God and you want to come close to close proximity with God, I want you to be bold and raise your hand to heaven and say, God, I'm coming back home today. I'm coming back home. If you are here, I want you to be bold and raise your hand wherever you are so we can pray with you. Just raise your hand and say, I'm coming back home today. I'm coming back home. If you know you're far away from God and you want to come close to God, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Anyone else, we're giving you this opportunity to come close to God. It's not to embarrass you. It's not to ask you to say anything or to do anything, but We want to pray with you so that you can come back to God. If you haven't raised your hand and you want to raise your hand, just raise it. Thank you, my sister. Anyone else? Anyone else? Anyone else? Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. For those who raise their hands, I'm going to ask you to do one more thing, to come up to the front so we can pray with you. We're not going to ask you to say anything, but... If you have your belongings with you, just bring them with you to the front. We want to pray with you, and we want to be able to walk a journey with you of being a son and daughter of the King. Let's give them a round of applause as they come to the front. If you raise your hand, come to the front. If you raise your hand, please come to the front. Please come to the front. My sister, my brother, please come to the front. We want to pray with you. Please come to the front. Just be bold and come stand here. Thank you for coming. There's a reason you are here today. You're coming back home. You're coming back home. You're coming back home. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Even if you didn't raise your hand and you feel like you need to be up here to come back to the Father, come back home. We want to pray with you. Just let's join them as we pray this prayer. Heavenly Father, we come to you, we repent. We accept Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior of our lives. Today we are called sons and daughters of the King. In Jesus' name, amen. Father, I pray for this people. Lord, may these tears mean that they are experiencing what it means to be sons and daughters of the King and adoption into their family. We pray that spiritually they will know that something amazing has happened today. That, God, they belong to you. They're your sons and daughters, Father. That every time the enemy tries to come in, Father, like a flood, you will raise the standard for them, Father God. Because, God, you love them and you send your son Jesus to die for them on the cross. Therefore, we claim their lives from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light. In Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen.